We could start there, then maybe we can kind of bridge the gap and you won't have this non-traditional and traditional like going at each other like it's, you know, Democrats and Republicans. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, and if you have something or someone interesting that you'd like to share with me, John at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. What follows is part one of my interview with Peter Gonzalez, Peter G., the instructor slash DJ slash crafter of his own brand, I guess you'd call it, of custom remixes. You will join our discussion in progress. Enjoy. Did you know that I was actually a a non-traditional instructor from beginning for like maybe five years. Like I was actually before soul cycle even came out, I had this little room in at the J fit uh, fitness center at the JCC it was my first job. I just got my certification. This is when the iPod wasn't even was just on the cusp of being invented or infused. And we were using these spinning CDs that you would buy, you know, for music. And you'd put it in this, you know, we had this little tiny room that used to be a massage room. And and I I painted it black and I put glow-in-the-dark stuff. And I just got my certification in the city, eight hours. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I just started making shit up. I mean, I just started making up. And before you know it, it was a very upper body movement based class and I had little to no knowledge about spinning I never took a class and it wound up being the biggest thing ever and I just remember like a year later into this and my classes were waitlisted and everybody wanted to come they loved the movement and all that and I I thought I was like the biggest shit ever and then I go and I take a soul cycle class like when it somebody told me about it, I was like holy shit this is my class um but I never really incorporated uh, I wasn't educated about, you know, sprints and climbs and all that. Everything was pretty much movement based. And then years later, as I read the forums, got on the forums and talked to the master instructors and took different classes, I gravitated away from that. And I teach more of a traditional style as far as just keeping safe cadences, keeping good form and technique and what I did was I really infused my personality, my charisma, my energy, my coaching skills to be the fun part of the class. But yet we just kind of like are either in the saddle, out of the saddle. There's structure. There's a goal. There's a game plan. It's fun. It isn't mim- – I don't mimic the road. It's just drills. It's Think of it as a, a circuit training class, except it's on an indoor cycling bike. And so that's why I gravitate towards. So if I would say anything, I'm kind of like in the middle. You know, I, I'm, I'm a stickler for, for keeping the cadences, understanding the mechanism and the machine, but I don't have a problem with people doing the upper body stuff because I used to do it as long as it's not too crazy. Like that KTX guy, he's, he's a lunatic, (laughs) that guy's a lunatic, but I've gone to rhythmic movement classes where, you know, the movements are subtle. They're not dangerous or crazy. You know, but the stuff that he does is just off the charts. So 
you know, I'm in the middle. I show a lot of latitude, but there's a lot of people who can't meet in the middle. And one of the things I'm trying to do is trying to find a way where we can kind of bridge a gap between traditional and non-traditional, where we can find some middle ground, a common ground. For example, you know, whether you're traditional or non-traditional, at least adhere to the safe cadences and understand why those safe cadences are implemented, designed for the mechanism, the bike. And, you know, if we could start there, then maybe we can kind of bridge the gap and you won't have this non-traditional and traditional like going at each other like it's, you know, Democrats and Republicans. Well, yeah, and I and I appreciate your take on that. And, you know, one part that I see, and I can't remember because I recorded my interview with uh, Rob Glick twice the first time I had a uh, technical issue, issue and it just didn't work, um, where I made the comment that, you know, these high cadences are, are in part a function of the design of some of the indoor cycles that are used, the, the, the classic Star Trek or uh, Soul Cycle bike, where it's got that massive heavy flywheel. Yeah, like kind of 40, 45 pounds, like 40, 45 pounds, those flywheels. Exactly. And so what I'm seeing is, in my experience, and I've talked to others as well, is that the, the, you don't see those kind of cadences in a classroom that are riding uh, Kaiser M3s, for example. Right. Or the the new stages bike, or the new matrix the bikes, new, the new matrix, the new matrix yeah. bikes. Any of these that are that are magnetically uh, yeah the magnetic the, belt the of- magnetic resistance. They have much lighter, smaller flywheels. Yes, and so the and the tent so the the inclination to pedal really fast with no resistance isn't there. The other part of it is that where magnetic resistance increases with the speed of the flywheel, it gets harder and harder and harder kind of like when you're riding into the wind right the bike design itself is is self-limiting and so so you're going to see a trend to get way away from that then the other part to your comment is that it's imperative that people recognize that the alarmist language that's used everybody's going to die everybody's going to get hurt right uh is is not only unhelpful but it's inaccurate right and so so when you go to the political part of it is you know, you see this, well, you know, one side says you're wrong. The other side says you're evil. Right. And and you can never resolve that chasm until people start to realize that. that And that's what Rob was trying to get across. Rob Glick was trying to get across is that, yeah, as a Schwinn master instructor, I told you these things. As time goes on, I'm, I'm realizing that we weren't correct with that. Just to kind of add, I think... As a businessman, and I'm a businessman who has his own personal training, successful personal training business where I train people at homes. Uh, I have my own DJ business, my digital DJ business, which does well. I, I've, I'm flourishing in all departments. Uh, I'm in, glad. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and also as an indoor cycling instructor who avidly takes classes from multiple places um, and to see what everybody else is doing. What is the successful business model? What makes them successful? How can I infuse that into my own DJ and the bike classes, whether it's Peloton, Flywheel, SoulCycle, um, Cycle Bar, and anybody that's in the area that's big, like Joyride right around over here is really big, which I used to work for. And we have to factor in, and this is what people don't understand, the other side is there is a supply and demand, and there is a crowd out there, a fitness trend out there of people who who don't care 
it's not important, it's not a priority to take a class where it's very performance-based, whether it's with metrics, uh, whether it's structured with goals, a game plan, a strategy, kind of like my class, where they just want to go in and they want to have fun, uh, they want to maybe overstimulate their ADD and not really focus hard on goals and objectives in a workout, and they just want to have fun. And I think that's the market that SoulCycle has tapped into. If you take a look at their workouts, their overall workouts, whether you put a heart rate monitor on everybody, you can see that they're not performing at the level if you took, say, a traditional workout. It's, it's more from the waist up than it is really from the waist down. And people have to understand that it's not for everybody. Like their class is not, not going to cater to everybody. And I think that's where SoulCycle has tapped into it, though the fun, the charisma, the personality, the performance. I mean, you know, prior to SoulCycle, there was not really a performance-based, I mean, I'm sorry, performance meaning performing, showmanship. Exactly. Uh, energy. You're exactly they, right. They, they brought that dynamic into the classes. And prior to that, it was just straight and narrow. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. It's black and white and just, you know, all suit and tie work hard. They, they added that fun factor. And I think that really caught on to, to, uh, uh, people that wouldn't come to the other classes. Exactly. <laughs> Quite simply. Exactly. It, it's, it's not competitive. It's fun. It's not judgmental. And, and other the mo- an indication of of that being a direction other fitness trends are going, whether you agree with it or not, but Cycle Bar, which is opening up studios all across the way, a lot of their owners are look are doing movement based classes, and now with Lifetime Fitness with their addition of what what did they a Lifetime do? You you have to look at it, you have to study it. Okay, so they made one particular class right these these specialty classes for that hardcore writer. The one who just wants metrics, kick my ass, crush me. I don't want personality. Don't make me laugh. Just crush me. And then they came out, then that's power. Then they came out with edge, right? That edge is kind of like the combination. Like we're going to ride hard. We're going to ride right. We're going to keep it safe. We're going to do metrics. It's going to be performance-based. But the, the instructor is going to infuse their charisma, their personality, make it fun. That's me. I'm edge. And then you have exactly and, that's what I used to do. And then right. you have amp. Amp is you know party on the bike, dance party on the bike. That's their version of SoulCycle. And what they have given is their their customers, their clients, three different options to choose from. They're not telling anybody, you know, forcing anybody to go. And also the instructors get to choose whether they want to do one, the other, or all three. What's wrong with options? That's that was my question. <laughs> what what could possibly be wrong with that? And you know, and having been with Lifetime for a long time, there were a number of, um, and I wouldn't say under the radar because it was published on the schedule, but they had what they called Cycle Sculpt, and I actually wrote an article that I got a lot of grief about um, when I subbed that class. Um, but they were doing those amp style classes, right? Um, with uh, Maybe with how is the right way tacit uh, approval? Okay, from Lifetime. Yeah, people just said, and they were the most popular classes there were. Yeah, at the club, you just and so it's really really hard to to look at that and say, oh no, we're not going to offer that. 
Exactly. You know, for, for me, John, it's a personal preference. I find it more challenging for me as an instructor, as a teacher, as a coach, as a guide to teach a class the way I do, where it's very performance-based, you're challenging yourself, it's fun, um, but making it fun off the bike. Like, I'll dance off the bike. You'll see me. I get off the bike. I dance. I have fun. But when I'm on... God bless you. <laughs> I can't. When I get on the bike, I ride right. And it's a simplistic class. You're either in the saddle, out of the saddle. There's no multiple positions or anything like that. And it really appeals to a broad base of people from the lowest demographic of fitness to the highest. Because the way I coach, I make you work hard, right? My goal is to make you work hard. I'm not there to work out hard. You are. But I will entertain you, I will perform, I will inspire you, I will I will throw enthusiasm in you and infuse it and make you go hard. And that's what I love. Now I could do a DJ on a bike party on the bike class where every single class, every single move a, a song is a movement base. There's not much thought process, but it's more fun base. So for me it's just personal preference. We have some instructors who want to move around a little bit. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm I'm fine with that. As long as it's not crazy stuff like KTX who does like this thing where he's like, he goes, he's like in the middle of the bike and he goes all the way down, brings his ass all the way almost down to the pedals and back up. Now, even someone. Oh, yeah, that though, that kind of stuff. OK, so anybody who's a certified silly, if nothing else, know, it's dumb. That's the dumbest thing on the planet or when you see people who take out the seat and are riding without the seat the entire time. You see what I'm saying now? Oh, I know what you're saying. So that's unsafe. That's unsafe. But if you do a subtle movement and you're on the bike and say your glutes right in front of the seat and you're riding with good form and then you just slightly shift your glute back, what they call like a glide, and you just glide it back maybe a half an inch or an inch and then you move forward in a pulsing manner, that's not going to kill you. That's not crazy. That's okay. You're still maintaining good form and alignment. But when these non these traditional say that's going to kill you, it's going to kill your knees. It's going to not really, not really. It's the crazy stuff that will. So we need to really define, you know, what's you know safe and unsafe. But you know, once you see something that's out of alignment, that's unsafe. You can't do that. That's un-, you know, you got to find the middle ground. Got to find the middle. That's all. Well, Peter, you obviously have a lot of passion around the subject. Um, you don't see my videos on Facebook? <laughs> you know, we started this completely backwards. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I Believe me, I've learned after 360 interviews that when somebody gets rolling, I just let them roll. <laughs> uh, tell everybody uh, where you're located. I'm located in Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, my studio is called Zen Ride Spinning Studio. And... Is it your studio? Or- uh, I, sh- I always say mine because, you know, I'm, I'm the lead instructor there. So I, I definitely, uh, it's, it's um, really tied into it, very passionate about this place. But the owner is Jessica Gray and Amanda Borse, they're co-owners. Right, but there's nothing wrong with taking ownership of, of where you work. Yes, Absolutely. yes. I take, I pride, I teach seven classes a week there. I'm the lead instructor. And uh, my goal is to have all our instructors on the same page as far as just an expectation, putting out a great product and um, um, making Zen Ride successful, making them successful and having camaraderie being one community. So, 
Awesome. How are they doing we're do- business-wise? We're, we're doing well. We just actually, you know, added a whole new facelift to Zen Ride. We have a new, whole new look. We painted the walls. We have some new graphics. And we've just uh, invested in a lot of merchandise. Uh, get your Zen on, Zen Spirit, Zentastic. And the merchandise has been um, selling like, like hotcakes. Oh, that's wonderful. And merchant, and what we also did was you study, if you study flywheel makes more money on merchandise than they do classes. So, and as you see wow. a lot of these other studios starting to trend again, it's also free marketing. If, if, if we're selling these for like double the price, we get a shirt for $18, buy for 18, we sell it for six for 36, you know, we're that's, that's 50 cent markup, right? So we're, we're making that's a hundred percent. I'm sorry. My math. 50% markup. Yeah. It's a hundred percent markup and we're, we're making a good product. And then it's free marketing, right? And what is soul? Oh, completely. Right. Soul cycle, flywheel, cycle bar, every, all of them do it. So you got to follow the trend. This is where following the trends work. If it works for them, it's got to work for us. So exactly. Who do you have for competitors nearby? We have, well, we're really, we're just minutes away from a local gym called the Fitness Edge. Uh, they reside in Fairfield and they're literally a two-minute drive away. I would say that's our main competitor because their classes are inclusive. It's, it's a free class and uh, they have multiple classes per day. So it's tough to be a, a – if we, if we had um, like a, another room where we can teach fitness classes, then I think it wouldn't be as competitive. But the fact that they offer classes – uh, fitness classes and spin classes, it's tough to compete with with a gym. So all we can do is try to, my job as a lead instructor is to have the upper echelon, the elite best instructor, instructors, indoor cycling instructors in the area. And that's what you're paying for. And, do you do the hiring? Uh, my Yes, I do. I'll do the in- interviews, the auditions. I work one-on-one with, I'm also um, always looking uh, for new instructors, new potential, uh, molding. Uh, now, I wouldn't say molding, coaching and mentoring people who want to be an instructor, work one-on-one with them, and give them the developed skills that they need that you don't normally get from an uh, eight-hour certification. Got it. What do you look for in a new instructor? Mm. Um, simple. What do you look for when, you, when you're going on a date Someone with personality, someone who's, <laughs> who's got high energy, who's positive, who's enthusiastic, um, just has an, a, a bright outlook on, on life, um, kind of like that. And then hoping they can transfer that on the bike as well. Someone who's strong, someone who's confident, someone who has a good ear for music all types of music i'll pick i'll pick people's brains musically if they you know are they boxed in instructed do they only like one type of music or are they very eclectic like me so someone who's fit i mean let's face it i mean you know you want role models and and if there's one profession that needs to look to part it's the fitness professional it's it's someone with your personal trainer a group x instructor you have to be fit whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, to, to set it an example, right? you got to practice what you preach. So that's what I look for. I've been successful three out of three times. I've worked with three, three new people. They're all doing well. 
and and trial by error, as I continue to do this, I get better. I get better in like when I'm working one-on-one, um, how to infuse these developed skills in them. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, the uh, I know you as Peter G., the, the music guy. Yeah. Uh, crafting remixes and 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 all your stuff that you do on legit mix tell me uh help everybody understand you know what how did you get started in all that yeah sure um it's it's a great story because i just remember i used to work at joyride indoor cycling studio in westport that was like my first true gig working at a studio which is totally different because it's harder to work at a studio because people are paying per class and one of the hardest things when you're a new instructor, like my new instructors that I'm hiring, is getting music. And at the time, you know, you would just get iTunes was out. It was very limited. Spotify was still there. But it was really hard to – you would have to search multiple music sites or sites to find music. And I came up with this idea. SoundCloud just came up with – came into fruition and you can create your own account. You can listen to music. You could also repost songs that you like on your account. So I decided, hey, let me make a music site for I'm a DJ and indoor cycling instructors that would be conducive to their classes. So I first started just, you know, reposting music on SoundCloud. And then I invested in a Mac and then I invested in the digital DJ program. And I said, you know what? How about if I redesign this song because it got a break or maybe it's too short or maybe I want to add another chorus. Let me learn how to digitally rework, re-edit this music more conducive to my indoor cycling classes. So my first song actually was Runaway Babe by Bruno Mars. It had three 20-second choruses. It was really, really short, and I wanted to extend it a little bit longer. So I added a fourth 20 second push to it and that was my very first edit runaway babe by bruno mars i still play it today and uh and after that it just kind of built i started to find mixes and before i got the skills to do that i started finding remixes and mashups from other djs that i liked and started to digitally re-edit them for my classes, whether it's for an endurance flat, a strength training climb, for, for hit training drills, and I started posting it on SoundCloud. Before you know it, I was up to 100,000 followers on, on SoundCloud with over like 500,000 downloads. And I said, man, <laughs> I'm, on to something. Something. <laughs> I'm on to something. So I said, why don't I start making my own, you know, really – digitally re-editing a lot of these songs that are popular out or better yet take classic songs that everybody loves that weren't spinnable psych you know you couldn't cycle to and make them indoor cycling friendly and i came across legit mix and i started making my remixes and my remark reworks and taking requests and before you know it boom it became an instant success it took some time to convince people of my product on how it was much better than downloading something from free from SoundCloud or downloading the original version from iTunes. But once you convince people and then all of a sudden they buy the product and they 
played in class. They're like, oh my God, your my classes was the best. Your music is awesome. My writers loved it. And then they become, you know, clients for life. And and, and it's been growing exponentially each and every each and every year. So I'm so happy to tap into and and that's the key, finding a niche. And I was happy to find a niche in the market that as of right now, no one's doing what I'm doing right now. And it's it's awesome. And, and I love what I do it. And to get emails and, and Facebook messages from instructors all over the world, John, all over the world saying how your music has impacted my classes. I love your music, my writer. To know that that I've impacted so many people all over the world, it is the coolest feeling Ever. I, I'm still pinch myself sometimes. I can't believe like I, I, I've done this. So just trying well, to congratulations. Speak. That's that's a that's a wonderful story. And, and I think it really speaks to if you just decide to do something and work really hard at it, y- you can make something out of it. Yeah. And impact yeah, no. and impact many people's lives paying it. For- right. Yeah. I mean, think about this, John. The most universal language in the world is music. Mm-hmm. translates to, to everybody. You create moods and, and all types of music. And um, I, I, I can't believe that uh, I always wanted to do something. I just never figured out what it was. And I got into the fitness field and, and it just hit me like this was for me. And I've always DJed and I still DJ on the side. And I always found a way of being able to play the right music for the right crowd. And then it's just understanding how an indoor cycling instructor works as one, understanding how to create a remix as a digital DJ and DJ, putting the two together, and you get magic. It sure sounds that way. Now, uh, once we had this scheduled, I put a post up on Facebook in the indoor cycling group asking them, you know, what do I ask you? And uh, if it's okay with you, I'd love to go through some of these sure. because there's some really good questions. Sure. There's uh, instructor Chris Pennell asks, uh, said, good for him, meaning good for you being on the podcast. And honestly, you and I have spoken in years ago. I don't know why it's taken so long, so my apologies. Okay, it's all right. Not not poking you on We this. all have projects. Um, we have projects. It's okay. Uh, yes, we do. All right. Well, she But she goes on to ask, what are your three favorite artists of all time? Oh, well, my my current all time, huh? Uh, well, okay. Um, e- well, the first one's easy because in the '80s I was a big Police fan, huge Police fan. Loved loved the Police. Had every single album of theirs. Knew every single song. Sting was I, any movie that he was in. So um, the Police was one of them. Currently, right now, I love Maroon Five. That's my current favorite group. So I got to come up with one more. All-time favorite. I would I would have to say probably the group that I love the most because they were short-lived. They probably had the most hits ever. Creative, innovative was the Beatles. So those three. Um, the Beatles, The Police, and Maroon 5. Talk about eclectic, right? All right. And, and she also goes on and asks the question, what's your opinion on rhythm riding compared to traditional indoor cycling? And we, uh, I think we covered that pretty well. Want me to go over it again? No, I think we're, I think we did a good job. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ross Phillipson asks, 
How does he avoid getting hammered by cop- copyright? Yeah, I think I answered her, her question, um, and and I'll just answer it. So, you have all these music sites out right now, out right now that that don't work with the record labels or don't work with the artist, and they make a profit, but the artist or the record label doesn't get a cut or get any doesn't get any incentive. And the way to legitimate works, and we're legit. And we we have no our site is not taken down or has been sued. And the way it works is legitimate encourages you, gets you to buy the original copy of the song off of iTunes, which the, now the record label gets a percentage and the artist gets a percentage of that. So we're increasing sales for them before you can buy our remix. So if I make a 24 karat magic remix of Bruno Mars. They would have to buy a copy of 24 karat from iTunes unless they have the same copy that I bought off of iTunes. So they have to, how, how does that, how does that work? Just somebody saying, wait, it's like, how did, you know, I'm sure somebody listening to this thinking, wait, how do they know that I bought this? How, how does, um, well, they have to download a program that, from legit mix a special the legit mix downloader program and there's an algorithm out there on there that searches your computer to see if it matches the same file that the dj bought on on itunes and 90 oh got it okay. right and 90 percent of the time they don't have the same copy sometimes they do and they don't have to buy it but 90 percent of the time they do and then then legit then then you get the remix then you can okay. So okay, but does does that work with Apple Music? Though? Yes, you know the Spotify version where you're where you've got the song, but you're renting it. Does, so, uh, no, you have to no, you have to buy it. It doesn't. No, yeah. You have to buy it. So you'll you'll have all the re- so John the record labels are the ones who are cracking down on all these sites, SoundCloud, Hear This Thought at, and all the others. Because they're not making their cut. And, and the record labels make their cut when you buy the music. Now, artists make their cut when you go to their concerts and memorabilia. So as long as a record label knows that they're set, you're buying, you're buying, you're purchasing the music, they're okay with that. As long as they're making a profit, they're okay with it. And that's the understanding with Legitmics and the record labels. If it wasn't, Legitmix wouldn't be around. So we're encouraging people to buy the original copy, and you need the original copy to get our remix. That's the way it works. And then I get a cut, record label gets a cut, artist gets a cut, and Legitmix you know, get, obviously gets a cut for providing the services. And it's been doing well. It's been doing well. What is the cost to, to purchase a track? on top of the track you're buying already from iTunes. It 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 varies on the type it varies on 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 the DJ who's selling the track. For example, um I think my net value creating a remix or a rework or a mashup is $2. So in other words, if you're going to buy a track off of me, it's going to cost $2 cuz it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of effort uh, ingenuity, time, a process to put these tracks together. I mean, it's just not, you know, boom, you just put it together in a couple of seconds. Sometimes it 
takes me longer than others. So I, I think that's $2. So it's $2 plus whatever the cost of the track on iTunes is going to cost you. So let's just say you want to buy my latest track till your legs can't hurt. I just made it. It's a big track that's selling. It's great for indoor cycling instructors. I charge $2 on, on Legitmix. Then you got to go to iTunes, buy the song for $1.29. So it's going to cost you $3.29 total. That's the way it works. 